holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Yes, it is an Arscast. No, your ears are not deceiving you. Yes, it is Thursday. And yes, there will be a regular Arscast as normal tomorrow, Friday. But I thought, hey, why not have a little bit of bonus podcast action this week? Because, well, there's a lot going on. And although Arsenal still have something to play for this season, and that's something that does come up, of course, within this conversation, the Premier League season is over. Over. And at the start of every Premier League season, I sit down with Ken Early from Second Captains and we do a little bit of a season preview and we always try and do a season review kind of thing after it's finished. So that's what we've got today. Myself and Ken will be talking primarily about the Premier League season, how it played out in general, not specifically from an Arsenal point of view, but we'll be talking Manchester City as champions, Liverpool pushing them so close. We will, of course, talk about the rest of the top four and Arsenal. And we also talk about Henrik Mkhitaryan because we recorded this yesterday, Wednesday, the day after it was announced that Henrik Mkhitaryan would not be travelling with the Arsenal squad to Baku for the Europa League final. As ever, plenty to get through. It's always entertaining with Ken. I hope you enjoy the show. That's as much talking as I'm going to do for this particular episode. There is no end bit, as there is on the regular Arscast, a bit after the music, which many people don't realise, but there is always an end bit, but not on this particular episode, because it's a special bonus episode, and those things are saved for the regular Arscast, which you can get in your podcast feeds tomorrow, as usual. But for now, enjoy this. This is myself and uh, Ken Early. All right, with me now uh, to talk about the season and to talk about uh, all the bits and pieces that have gone on between last August when we first sat here, Ken. It doesn't seem like a whole season uh, of time has gone by, but it has. Yes. It has. Uh, Ken Early from Second Captains, uh, hello again. How you doing, Andrew? Thanks for having me in. I'm all right. Um, I want to talk about the Premier League season and about all the various bits and pieces that have gone on because it has been, I think, an interesting season on a number of levels, if not necessarily a particularly exciting one, despite the fact we had a bona fide title race. Um, But I want to just start by asking you, uh, because it's current at the moment and uh, we're talking on Wednesday, it's the day after Arsenal have announced that Henrik Mkhitaryan won't be travelling to Baku to play in the European or the Europa League final. Just your thoughts on that situation and and his exclusion from the Arsenal squad, um, basically because of his his ethnicity, his nationality. Obviously, Mm. the decision was down to him, but having spoken to a number of of Arsenal fans who are of Armenian descent, um, they very much understand why he would not want to go there, uh, Mm. despite the the various reassurances that that were supposedly given to him and to Arsenal and to UEFA? Well, it's a difficult situation because I remember when I first kind of saw the story, I was like, well, he's banned from going. That's crazy. How can can they put up with this? But of course, he's not actually banned. It's just that he doesn't believe their assurances that everything will be fine. Yeah. Um, So UEFA's response to it has been to very much point uh, to load the responsibility onto Arsenal and Mkhitaryan rather than uh, concede that they gave the final to a place which was uh, well which which was had limitations in terms of you better hope no Armenians are involved in this you know yeah, what I mean they took a they took a gamble they took a risk like it's a small chance that an Armenian could be involved and we maybe yeah. we'll cross that bridge when we come to it yeah. and now that the, they've come to the bridge they've just basically blown it up and left Mkhitaryan on the other side yeah I mean and the, you know 
because it is ultimately his call um they you know they can they can probably get away with that but i do wonder what happens i mean like it's 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 obviously a completely unfair situation it's unfair on him it's unfair on arsenal he's one of their like well he's been good for them in the Europa League anyway mm. he scored he scored one of the goals in the final a couple of years ago yeah he's, he's, you know would he have been playing probably um, and if they lose if they lose are they are they you know what what's going to happen then uh, is it not a case that they can they can say well look this is this is a joke we've lost this game we've we were deprived of one of our best players um, by factors sort of beyond our control mm. You know, I mean, what are you going to do about that? Like, is it? I mean, there's also the question of what of, of Arsenal's own response. Should they play a game when one of their players doesn't feel as though they're safe to do it? You know, it's it's kind of there has been there was. I mean, we were talking about the other day on our part about the Chelsea game against Hapoel Tel Aviv in in 2001, yeah, um, which was soon after the September 11th attacks. Chelsea were drawn in the UEFA Cup away to Hapoel Tel Aviv. Uh, well, obviously, they they two like a tie. They ended up losing the tie, but in the away game, six of the Chelsea players decided they they didn't feel safe enough to travel. Um, there was like Good Johnson, Petit, Ferrer. Uh, I can't remember the which right the, the six of their Lisso was one of them. Um, six of the sort of top Chelsea players were like we we just don't feel Chelsea went and played the game, lost the game, lost, mm. ultimately lost the tie. Um, there weren't any repercussions for UEFA. That's a slightly different situation, though, in, in terms of, you know, you can't, you know, Chelsea got drawn against Apple Tel Aviv. This was kind of, it wasn't as though uh, every team, what I mean to say is UEFA decided to give the final to a place where it was going to be a problem if a certain it, thing happened in yeah. a certain set of circumstances. Yeah, It's clearly something they didn't take into account. So, they should have taken that into account. I think Koscielny was saying this on, was he on BBC saying like, you know, you can't give the final to places um, if everybody can't go there. Yeah. And so this is clearly a mistake that they've made, but now it seems to me as though they'll probably kind of get away with it. I don't know. I mean, with, with Arsenal, it's obviously a big dilemma because on the one hand, you want to show solidarity with your player, you know, preserve the whole ethos of the team and all that. Yeah. I mean, this is not very U.S. Marine Corps of Arsenal to sort of say, well, you know, this is unfortunate, but let's go play the game. One, one man left behind. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that's that's kind of a little, that's, it's not a great situation for Arsenal to, to be in. Like, in, I mean, obviously it's a terrible situation for Arsenal, but it's not a good thing for them to have done either. Yeah, but if they, had, if they had said, look, we're not doing this, what would have happened then? I mean, do they just award the cup to Chelsea? I would do, say so, yeah. Yeah, and then Arsenal don't get to play in the Champions League. But yeah. then, but then, you know, is, is, that, is that where that ends? I don't think it, it would end as neatly as that. I mean, Arsenal would, would clearly then have a case against UEFA. You know, they could sue UEFA. It's like, this is a joke. You know, how, how do you expect us to play under these circumstances? Yeah. And then it would be down to the argument of whether or not... Um, you know, because you have to say, well, look, it's this guy's choice. We've got all the assurances from all the top brass in Azerbaijan. You know, they've mm. all said, hey, you know, was the, the ambassador of Azerbaijan to the UK was like, hey, you know, you're here as an athlete. We're not here to play political games. You know what I mean? And, and gave this kind of... <laughs> yeah, but did you see what he said? He said, you know, he'll be fine as long as he plays, doesn't play the issue as, as well. As long as he, he doesn't rub his Armenianness in our, in our faces. You know, he'll be fine. So, yeah, it is. A, it's a crazy situation, isn't it, for for uh, for UEFA to have come up with? And uh, of course, there are fans as well. Leaving aside the the general genuine difficulties, fans of Arsenal and Chelsea are having uh, of even getting to Baku. Yeah. You know, this is a seventy thousand seater stadium. Two of the most uh, well supported clubs in Europe who've been handed six thousand tickets each, and mm-hmm. who can't sell their allocations because fans simply can't get there. On top of that, there are certain fans who are being excluded from traveling to Azerbaijan because of their Armenian heritage. Mm. So, and, yeah. you know, how how can UEFA stand over that decision? Because they'll say, well, this is about 
spreading football to all the places that football isn't. Mm. And that doesn't make any sense either because, you know, clearly football is in Azerbaijan. This is not a new phenomenon that like all the, you know, all the people from the street are going to come along and say, what is this majestic thing that these people are doing? We must do that now. You know, everyone plays football anyway. The the idea that you're spreading the the, the game of football around the world makes no sense. Well, there there is a case for it in the sense of like, you know, all of these UEFA member nations, you know, it would be nice if lots of them are countries. I mean, like Ireland, you know, we had a Europa League final in mm. 2011. We're, we're not going to have, we're not, we're, you know, it's unlikely we're going to have an Irish team playing at that level. How else do we, do the, the football people of Ireland get to see top class European football other than, you know, being mm. thrown the odd bone in the form of a final? Turn like your TV on. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, no, I, I, know, I know. I think there there is a there is a certain case for it, but it, but then that has to be counterbalanced. I mean, this is this is now, although UEFA are, are pointing and shifting the responsibility onto Arsenal, it's still massively embarrassing for them. The final is going to be a shambles. There's going to be loads of empty seats. I mean, maybe they'll be able to to pack it out. There was, well, I mean, actually, it was at the Europa League final in Dublin. There was loads of empty seats. Braga against Porto. Didn't, yeah. didn't really it's not really <laughs> the summer fixture and it? it was so cold that's a, it's like the coldest May evening I think it's ever been in this country <laughs> somehow but uh, yeah I mean uh, surely UEFA must look at this and go well you know <laughs> just to avoid the embarrassment and the shambles that we've brought upon ourselves surely we, we need to change our approach to these things it's something that needs to be considered maybe it, maybe it needs to happen first in order for them to Make sure it doesn't happen again. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's it's a real it's a real dilemma. Like, I mean, I would have liked to see what would happen if Arsenal said we're not accepting this. Yeah, I kind of would too. There's mm. a part of me that would have liked to have seen it. I mean, obviously, I want us to go there and win the trophy and and uh, get into the Champions get League. Get into the Champions there's League. Too there's, there's too much at stake not to play the game. But as a matter of principle, you know, if one of your players is being excluded for reasons that are basically wrong and yeah. unfair on on every level however you however way you want to look at it mm. you know there is that case I would have been curious to see but you know I, I looked at the UEFA regulations and there's a fine and you forfeit some of your prize money and then uh, you you are subject to any further disciplinary um, uh, measures that the UEFA committee decides I'd love to see UEFA I'd love to see UEFA you know meeting out the disciplinary measures to Arsenal for this you know what I mean? It would be like, yeah, well, what are you going to do? What are you actually going to do to us now? Are you gonna, you're going to punish us because we refuse to go along with this nonsensical situation. Mm. I mean, that, like, that would... It would uh, be fun to see, you know. I, it, yeah. It's just... You know. Some allies at last from Manchester City supporters uh, <laughs> in the... Uh, <laughs> an Arsenal-Man City anti-UEFA alliance. Yeah. But I think a lot of people would, would be looking at that saying, this is... This is clearly a complete joke, you know. Do, do you think it would be a different situation, or or something people took a bit more seriously if it wasn't Henrik Mkhitaryan, who's like the best player in Armenia, but not necessarily what you would consider a massive world star? Like, if this kind of situation were applicable to a more important player for Arsenal, for example, an Aubameyang or a Lacazette, obviously by extension, it would include a couple of others in the squad as well because of that. But, but. It feels like it's sort of well, you know, Mkhitaryan, and I'm I'm not his biggest fan by any means. I think mm. he's a bit lightweight, and he's, you know, on his good day, he's quite good, but more often than not, he's pretty pretty average. Mm. Uh, and I've seen plenty of Arsenal fans say, "Yeah, fuck, it doesn't matter. It's only Mkhitaryan." Yeah, but, but you it's know, not, it's, it's, it's not, not about Mkhitaryan. It's not. It's, it's, it's the integrity of the team. That's really what well, it is. Well, the integrity of the sport and and yeah. how these decisions are are made. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if it was, you know, if, it, if, you, if, you, if you're kind of saying if it was messy, they couldn't go to the game, then, you know, I mean, I think it's it has been it has been a pretty big story, but it's it is the case. It, it is difficult to know what to do. Like if if ultimately Arsenal aren't prepared to sort of stand along with him, like it's a huge it would be a huge sacrifice for them to make. Mm. You know, they're they're. They're missing the chance of of qualifying for the Champions League, which is like crucial for them at this point. In, if if they want to make any progress, yeah, over, over the summer, um, they're missing that chance and risking further sanction. But they would be defending the integrity of their team in the sense that they'd be saying, "Well, you know, we all, all of us go or none of us go." Yeah, and 
I mean, it's a, I don't know, like it's a difficult, it, because Arsenal haven't been prepared to take that step, we don't get to see how that, how that would play out. Arsenal kind of have, have ultimately accepted or gone along with this situation. You know, they've, they've said, okay, you know, we'll, you know, we're not happy about this, but we will. Do it for Mickey. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe if we look at it that, like that, you know, it yeah. will be, his name will be on the cup. His name will be on their lips as they lift the cup. Absolutely. I just hope they don't lose the game because then they're going to feel really bad. Well, of course. I mean, what, that, what standing on the pitch in Baku in a half-empty stadium, watching Chelsea cavorting with the Europa League, knowing that it was all for nothing, and then you know, yeah, I don't know. No, it's it, yeah. There are certain things about that game next week that that do fill me with a, a measure of dread. Obviously, losing is one of them. Mm. Um, Olivier Giroud scoring the winner is oh, another God. one, but, but that's a different uh, that's a different thing. We'll see. Um, but look, maybe it will force UEFA to have a rethink about how they come to these decisions. The question is, you know, we all look at UEFA and we look at U- European football, we look at world football, we look at some of the decisions that have been made over the last number of years and I think we're all a little bit cynical about why those decisions were made in the first place yeah. that you don't you don't have to be slapped in the face with a situation like this one to know that it's probably the wrong decision to hold a final in a in a in a city which a can't cope with all the people coming because the the transport links the infrastructure is not there to bring all the people who who want to go to the game and then you have this political situation which you know people say sport and politics shouldn't mix but they do they have to it's real well, life politics has, has infiltrated everything like, yeah. there's no separation between anything in politics i mean not that there ever really was but like it's really explicit now you know, there's no way. There's no way to escape those links. You know, you yeah. can't. Pres- you can't ignore that stuff no. anymore. No. All right, we'll see what happens there. Um, let's talk Premier League and Manchester City are, are the champions, um, pushed very close by Liverpool. And I think when you step back and look at the way the season has played out and you look at what Manchester City have done and you look at how Manchester City have done what they've done which I'm sure we'll we'll touch on um, don't think too many Man City fans listen to this podcast so we're alright um, you know what Liverpool did to push them that close was really very impressive mm. City should be down on their knees thanking Liverpool for doing that because over the last week or so uh, since basically since City won the league there's just been this series of bad PR things happening for Man City I mean they won the league that was great next day New York Times um, was it the next day or the, the following day the day after that but like New York Times is like oh UEFA um, investigatory, investigatory chamber set to recommend one year Champions League ban for Man yeah. City um, they put out, you know, a, a kind of an aggressive statement then saying, oh, this is a disgrace and we believed in the integrity of this process and now, you know, it's, someone's been blabbing and, you know, it's we're, we're very disappointed but not surprised by this. You know, this, this, <laughs> this kind of tone, you know. Yeah. And, and then you had all of these um, people, Man City supporters, uh, hopping on board with this and, and saying, this is, you know, the New York Times actually owns... Liverpool and these salty Liverpool journalists, uh, Tarek Panja and Rory Smith, are doing are, have, have, are the attack dogs who've been told you know the, the New York Times, uh, embittered by the loss of their the team they own Liverpool FC, uh, has now ordered to release the hounds and now we've got this smear job against City like this is this people are saying the, this. the snarling Rory Smith. Yeah, yeah, the Mad Dog, Mad Dog Smith, um, part owner of Liverpool <laughs> FC. The, the, so it is true that the New York Times did own a slice of uh, FSG, the or the ownership group, whatever they were called. Maybe it was NESV back then, um, uh, but sold these in 2012. I, I saw Roy Smith trying to point this out to people who were attacking him. He's like, "Look at, look at, <laughs> you know, they're all showing this 2011 link." Yeah. It's 20, linked to a 2011 story. He's like, look at the 2012 story. That's that happened since. You know, we no longer own them. That's completely insane. I can't believe that so many people, uh, yeah, believe this, have embraced this as a as a solution. Uh, the, then there was the um, anti Liverpool song on the plane. 
said he put out another statement about, well, they, they emailed this one to reporters, but there's also like, you know, be advised we're taking legal counsel, you know, if anyone wants to link these things. You know, and that, again, that's sort of hostile, like, it's like, you know, shut up or we'll sue kind of thing. Yeah. Even though, even though everybody could see what the song was, everybody knows what this means. You know, always the victims. We know what that, we always the victims. It's like, a, we're talking about a, a pattern here. Mm. Victim, victims of it all. That's the, that's the, um, the phrase. And, you know, it's right. like, we all know what, what this is referring to. Uh, battered and, you know, look, there's no need to, to go through all this. Everybody knows this. But that was another uh, bad PR thing. It made the team look bad. The club's response, I, I think, made it made it worse. Yeah. Then you had Pep coming out and and talking, starting to complain and and moan about City not getting enough credit from the media. The media, by the way, who, who have just been absolutely getting milled by by City's supporters and PR department over the last couple of days. Uh, they're not getting enough credit from me, and and actually going to the extent of of complaining that the Daily Mail website had Pogba at the top rather than City winning the league. Pep used his press conference to say this, right? He's like, he's like, oh, they, you know, I looked at the Daily Mail and Paul Pogba is the top story having a discussion with fans and all, you know, it was the scene with Pogba being oh, when he was by being that mad United fan. Berated from the stand, yeah. This madman is screaming at him about, yeah. oh, you Instagram, oh, you lit this mad, like, purple face yeah, yeah, yeah. and spittle fleck, Brexit to rate. And Pogba's kind of, and this was the top story and Pep was like, you know, it's unbelievable. And he'd been complaining for the last few weeks about this, oh, the, the media want Liverpool to win and, I, you know, we feel this and so on. You know, which, which when you when you then saw the fan, the Man City fan in the press box at Wembley, I mean, there was a video yeah. and that was put out by Rob Harris, I think, where the guy is screaming, uh, you know, you all, we've, we're about to win the domestic fucking trouble. No one's ever done it before. And you all have Mo Salah on the fucking back pages. That's exactly the same point. He's just, he's parroting Pep. That's, yeah. That was Pep's point. You know what I mean? Mm. Okay, so this what I'm saying is this was this had been a kind of a bad week. Like it's it's supposed to be a great week, and instead it was a really angry week. You know, you're yeah. all you're all against us. But the, the point that I was making in the beginning was they should get down on their knees and thank Liverpool for making this season look like a competition. Yeah, because imagine if they'd won the league by twenty points again. Imagine if Liverpool had done what all the other teams did, the, the other big teams, and got like seventy five points. Yeah, you know, City would have won the league in February, March. This is all anyone would have been talking about for three months now. We would be in month three of Manchester City have driven a stake through the heart of English football. You know, English football, 1865 to 2019. It just would have been this. There would have been nothing else to talk about. Instead, it was like, oh, you know, who who will slip up? Will City can hold their nerve? Can Liverpool sustain the pressure? Blah, blah, blah. You know, we're actually talking about football here, and it's only sort of in the last week. Remember, it's, it, it's, it's not because now that City have won the league and Liverpool have lost that all of the, the Liverpool controlled media comes out and <laughs> now is like oh you know you're ruining the game yeah um, that's not actually what's happened the, the, the sort of negative coverage over the last uh, week has been kind of in response to the finality the fact that it's over the, the, fina- the, the fact that it's over the fact that there, there isn't football to sort of actually talk about anymore but also the stuff about the, the like the, remember why are UEFA seeking to ban them from the Champions League or the, why if the investigatory chamber decided okay we should we, we, we will seek a winner ban because they're, they're you know they think they've broken the rules so they're like we haven't broken the rules you know, Tom Brady style. <laughs> I mean, you know, we'll we'll see we'll see how it plays out. But there there is the allegation of wrongdoing, mm. which is significant. Like it's important. You know, they've they've been able to other if other teams have been playing according to these regulations, and City have been skirting around them and boosting themselves up. Like, well, there are people, are, people are not going to like that. I mean, it, it's entirely reasonable for everybody else to be like, hang on a second, what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, is it, you know, they have an advantage anyway in the sense that they are very financially uh, well off. They've got a, a brilliant coach. I mean, there's no question in Guardiola's uh, credentials and abilities as a coach. But having had those advantages and, and having this money and then cheating on top of that, uh, it, it's a little wonder people that are going to be looking, annoyed. Yeah, but, uh, you know, also... 
when you think about, I kept hearing this thing in the last week or so, or the last uh, after they won the title about how Manchester City have won a hundred and ninety eight points in the last two seasons. Mm. That's fucking ludicrous. It's, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. And, so, and, uh, and it should be, you know, uh, objectively, it should be a thing that people go, "Wow, yeah, that's fucking amazing." I mean. Doff my cap, and you're you're not. Nobody is. Everyone's uh, like, "Well, this is well, a, it's yeah. unnatural. It's like a nine second hundred meters." Yes, you know I mean? that's like, exactly what, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so you know, that, that's why I'm saying they they should they they owe Liverpool one because mm. it, if if this season had been like last season, you know, last season there was this like the the only excitement of like the second half of the season. I mean, if you if you leave aside you know relegation or who will get in the Champions League between Chelsea and Liverpool, yeah, it was. Can City become Centurions? You know, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. no one, no one gives a fuck about that. Like, no one, you know, it wasn't. That's not something that anyone really was that excited about. I mean, it was a, it's a fine achievement. You know, resetting records, it proved their their standing as you know a historically great team. So, I, I don't mean to downplay it, but it's not it's not a competition. It's not a contest. Yeah. Uh, and if this season had just been more of the same, can you imagine how much worse this would be? Manchester City fans who are complaining about oh this is bitter and everyone's complaining now about the money because you know you lost you know suck it up. Just you know, <laughs> thank the Lord that it was one point. Yeah. If it had been twenty again, it, like this would be far far worse than it than it is now. Yeah. I mean, it's quite funny because a lot of people. Um, you know, tribalism and, and fan rivalry exists and there's probably a lot more rivalry between the fans of most clubs in Liverpool than there is with those clubs in Manchester City because, you know, for years Manchester City were sort of like, they're they're the good side of Manchester because everybody hated yeah. Manchester United. So there was this sort of soft spot in a way for Man City, which now has become a, a, a blank spot or a blind spot because if they win the title, everyone goes, "Well, yeah, what can I, we I don't, do? I don't. Yeah, what can we do? But also, I don't give a fuck because it feels artificial to me. Whereas I know a lot of people were saying, "Well, if Liverpool win it, that's worse because I've got loads of Liverpool supporting mates. Mm-hmm. They're going to rub it in. There's going to be all that." You know, I was, you know very much of the opinion that I wanted Liverpool to win it simply because when you look at what's happening to give any of the rest of us any kind of hope mm. seeing Liverpool win the title uh, in what you could, that it could be done that it could be done um, mm. and that it's not impossible and that we're not going to have five years or six years or eight years of Manchester City steamrolling yeah. everybody well, it didn't so, happen it no didn't it didn't, happen, didn't you know. happen. And, that, and that was with Liverpool getting a few there were a few kind of how did that just happen yes. moments you know a, yeah. few, a few last minute goals and yeah. you know it was like you know how can they repeat that how, well how, that's I have a, one of the questions I, I have here for you is like can Liverpool do any better than no. they've done this season I don't think they can no they can't I don't think they can do better so how does how does the Premier League become competitive again well, is it is the onus on the likes of Arsenal and United and Chelsea and Tottenham to be better and to take points off Manchester City is that literally the only way it can happen everybody has, has to do that you know um, because I, I, I am it is kind of incredible when you look at it how you know it's just what a high percentage of the game do they win 33 out of 38 like City they won thirty three out of thirty eight. Was that is I'll that is that correct or is it thirty two? I'll check. No, it must have been thirty two. Thirty two wins and one draw equals no thirty two wins, two draws, and four defeats. That's it for ninety eight points. Um, yeah. So I mean, thirty two out of thirty eight wins. Like that's just oh my god! How do you? Well, you know, Liverpool thirty, and then the rest of the top six: Chelsea were twenty one, Spurs twenty three, Arsenal twenty one, Manchester United nineteen. Yeah. Now. What what strikes me about City is like if you if you compare the seasons that they had the the, the City and Liverpool, the Liverpool games were a lot more exciting. There was a lot more drama in these matches because it seems to me as though they don't have the same effect on the opposition that City have in terms of it's almost like a chloroform type of you know sleep now yeah. you know just sleep it will be easier for for you and you know for us if you just sleep you know the city will score a goal and then it's like there's a there's a total well well that's that we're done we, turn off because yeah. we can't get the ball off these guys you yeah. know it's like it's like 
there's a, there's something really demoralising about being a goal down to Manchester City, <clears throat> which Liverpool don't do not have this effect on the opposition. Yeah. They, 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 a, they kind of leave the opposition feeling we still got a chance here. You know, it's more like a normal game against the you know a strong team, a strong team yeah. that's, that's probably better than you. But it's still kind of a, it's more like a normal or conventional game where you still got a chance and maybe if you keep it tight, maybe you can get a, a late equaliser. Whereas with City, it's kind of like we're done. Like we've got to start thinking about the next game now. And I, I kind of get this impression with so many of their matches that it was over after twenty minutes, which is which is a has to do I think with the style of play, like which is very much about monopolizing the ball like not giving the opposing team a sniff like they don't have any oxygen like they just slowly yeah. they just sort of pass out like it's, a footballing python in some ways they just curl of, themselves around you and, and squeeze and it's like and, you, and you, you just this sort of you're, you're complicit in your own demise in the extent it's like we don't even really keep trying anymore you know it's mm. a, that's a, we, we don't have a chance there's no point they they that, like there is a mastery in that like that sort of it, it obviously the team that you're kind of reminded of a bit is Spain you know one of the, the best examples of this type of game I've ever seen was uh, when Spain beat Russia 3-0 in the I think it was 3-0 in this Euro 2008 semis mm. and remember this is at a time when this type of football was quite new like Spain uh, Spain kind of became even more extreme like in, in 2010 in the way they, they played but but like a team that monopolizes the ball. He, he, I remember Russia had been had been this great energetic team. I mean, super, you know, hyper energetic. Um, and Arshavin. Arshavin was just, <laughs> was lightning, you know. Arshavin was amazing. And they'd ripped Holland to pieces. Holland had, had like, had an amazing group stage, smashed France and Italy, then got overrun by Russia. Mm. And it was all, oh, you know, Russia against Spain. This is quite interesting now. Spain had beaten Russia 4-1 in the first, in the group. But it was like, oh, Russia, they've got Arshavin now. They're, they're much better and it was like there was no like the, it was like a, the match did not take place it was just like Spain have the ball just passing it around to each other and eventually were, you just see the Russian heads going down like we can't like what are, how we don't even how really understand what we're up against <laughs> yeah. here like this is something we've never encountered before and the the demoralization like the mastery that Spain had that was like a new thing to see for me anyway at that time Barcelona that's that's the same summer that Guardiola started at Barcelona and obviously they then made this type of thing famous you know like you can't get the ball off us like what are you going to do now mm. and I get the impression you know eventually teams started to figure out things that they could do Premier League teams need to start figuring that out like it's not City are not an unbeatable team I mean Tottenham showed this Newcastle obviously beat them they, there are random games Palace you know that, yeah um, the, the Palace game had like a miracle goal in it you know it, it, maybe it does take something like that but it also you, you have to kind of keep uh, keep competing and a lot it seemed to me a lot of the teams in the Premier League were intimidated by City to the level where they were like yeah. All right, you know, we weren't expected to get any points out of this game. So We're not okay. going to, so let's go. Isn't it somewhat ironic that a potential Champions League ban could only serve to make Manchester City more dominant domestically? <laughs> what is it, 114 points they can get? Yeah. That would be uh, just a, a 38 game. I don't know what, they, what they'd come up with after like Centurions and Formidables yeah. for like just... Uh, Whatever, 100 and... Maybe they get 111 points. They can be the fucking Bilbo Baggins champions. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, it's like, I mean, that, 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 that could happen. Uh, I mean, that, that is what would happen if they... Unless, you know, they, if, if, if it was to be the case that Pep would be like, I'm out. I mean, I think the, the situation with Pep is interesting because you saw what happened after the FA Cup final. What did you make of that? Because I thought it was... Um, like if someone sits there and accuses you, not accuses you, but asks you if you've taken illicit payments, if you haven't taken illicit payments, then I think you've got every right to be uh, unhappy about that. Um, but I, I, I feel sometimes with Pep that there is a, a measure of, I won't say theatrics, because it's not really flamboyant enough to be the theatrics, but a sort of a manufactured persona in that, I'm I'm sure they've had conversations behind the scenes at Manchester City about how to react if you're asked about 
the financial situation of the club or any f- uh, potential benefit to you even the even the the Raheem Sterling thing after the final mm. and he's there and he's like super intense and he's at yeah. Sterling it's like you know hang on a second you can't on the one hand complain to this journalist that he's asked you a difficult question after you've completed a treble yeah. when you straight after completing a treble you're not fucking happy you're laying into fucking one of your players because he just made sure that the ball went over the line you know yeah. it's is that what it was do do have, have they mentioned that because I, I was wondering if that was what he was. I, I just i just looked it up um uh, and basically hang on this is from two days ago it's from a website i don't really uh know but uh apparently sterling said he just said i shouldn't have uh, have tried to steal that first goal Okay, yeah, well... Stealing a goal. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Sterling also said after the game that, you know, he's just finding us the whole time. He just, he brought in fines, you know, we're being fined for all the little mistakes we make. <laughs> but we're being fined for on-pitch mistakes? No, no, fined for uh, stuff to do with, you know, the training. Like, it, it was just, it just struck me as funny that Sterling, after, in his on-field, like, BT Sport interview... Um, when asked, you know, what is the secret of, you know, Pep's incredible success, yeah. was like, well, you know, fines was one of the first things that came <laughs> to his mind. Like, he's really ramped up the findings, the, the findings uh, this season, you know. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, that was kind of... But like, okay, the, the question was put to him and his response was angry. Now, I thought his response was perfectly consistent with somebody who was totally innocent of the the mm. um what what's being implied by the question it's perfectly consistent with that it's also consistent with somebody who you know <laughs> who had done what the question was asking him the reason the question is is legitimate i think is that rob harris is saying rob harris who was the journalist who asked it was saying i've asked this to city they don't they won't answer me where, like where else you might say this isn't the time and place but where exactly is there is no way I mean you don't get to ask that question in a sit down one on one with Pep Guardiola you don't get to ask that question because it's off the table before you start or if you do ask it mm. then you're out interview's mm. over and they'll probably you know take the film out of your camera metaphorically speaking as to the question of, of whether such a such a, uh, a question should even be put to Guardiola if it's insulting to do that well the thing is that the, the basis of the question is this happened with your predecessor with one of your predecessors yeah. predecessor, but one Roberto Mancini do you it, it has something similar happened with you do you have a similar arrangement with the club hmm? like the the you, it could be a case of oh, how dare he say that how dare he say this you know there's no nothing to link Guardiola with this apart from the fact that he works for City and this is, this is know, their apparently happened, happened before therefore it's for that reason it's a legitimate question Guardiola didn't deny it and he continues he did, not to deny it well look yeah. you know I mean it, 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 Guardiola I mean I'm not sure how much he was thinking about the question because you can see the anger was real yeah 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 uh, and there's a number of reasons why he could have been angry with it but you know if, if even if he had time to think about it could he Definitely deny that. I mean, if you, yeah, like, he's been working for City for how long? You know, has he been? He's been flying over to Abu Dhabi. Has everything that he's done been exactly related to his job as Man City coach? You know, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's like lots of there's, there's lots of things. Maybe he denies it. He thinks it's not true, and then it turns out, oh, he did this thing, and you know, you know what I mean? Like he, yeah. he turned up at some shopping center opening or whatever, and like, got a check. you know, what? I'm, I'm, I'm speaking completely hypothetically here. Yeah, he may not have been in a position even to give a. A definite denial. He, you know, he may not even have known exactly. I mean, Guardiola's got so much money. I was actually thinking about this the other day. Like, how much time do you think he spends managing his money? Like, he must have like a hundred million euros at this stage. I guess. I, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, <laughs> he. I mean, he was obviously rich from playing football. Then he was managing Barcelona. Big pay, big bonuses. Managed Bayern was at like 15 million euros a year. Mm. City, it's like closer to 20 million euros a year. I mean, the guy... Like, Plus bonuses. Yeah, so where, you know, how much time... If you had 100 million, like, would you, how much time would you spend managing well, your portfolio? Well, he clearly doesn't spend any time managing his money because he's sitting upstairs watching videos and drawing little diagrams of, you know, how mm-hmm. his right wing back can expose Brighton's inside right yeah. forward, you know. Yes, it is a weird thing. I mean, he said, didn't he, you know, after the after that when he was asked about the finances you know the owners tell me everything is uh, he, did the Pontius, he was Pontius yeah. Pilate I believed them I yeah. believed them yeah, like, the, the only thing is I accept their assurances pretty much nobody else in the world of football believes them when they say it's it's oh. all above board well you know it's just that these these um 
these football leaks emails and so on which they you know it's a clear and organised attempt to damage the reputation of the club was that their boilerplate that they kept yeah. putting out you know but again they weren't saying these documents are made up no. you, you know what I mean they were saying oh these are hack documents you know which so so there was a difference between what they'd been saying in public and what these documents seem to suggest were going on. So sure. it, it, when, when those sorts of things happen, that's what undermines the credibility. You know, that's why Pep ends up getting asked, asked a question like that. Yeah. You know, you can say, oh, it's, this is appalling. How dare the journalist spoil such a great moment by this? But like, that's the, you know, th- this is... Th- this is the cost of, of doing business in, in the way these leaks suggest it's been done. Mm. We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what happened below City and Liverpool. And it was a weird end to the season, certainly from an Arsenal point of view. It was a really bad end to the season because uh, top four should have been secured. Um, and there seemed to be uh, across the the four teams uh, who were there for the two places uh, to finish in the top four, a reluctance to take the bull by the horns, if you like. I mean, have, you, have you any theories as to why... At a time of the season when points were so important, I know there was a certain amount of European involvement for for, for Arsenal, for Chelsea, also Tottenham as well. I mean, was that a big factor um, in in them taking their eye off the ball a bit domestically? Well, all of the teams got tired um, and none of them were really that that good. So the edge they had over the kind of teams they were playing was was kind of down to zero. Mm. And the results had become random in those games. You know, Games you usually you expect Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, Man United uh, to some extent to to be able to beat mid-table teams, but <clears throat> tired, injured uh, squads. Like why should they? They have no divine right to win these matches. You know what I mean? No, no. So Tottenham obviously were, were falling apart, and knowing that they were going to the Champions League final or had a great chance of getting there, obviously became their priority. You know, I mean, I can't not. Um, I think a similar thing happened last season with Liverpool when they, when they, uh, you know, got past City and it looked as though they could get to the final. Suddenly, they their performances in the league started going a little off the boil. Um, although they did make it in the end. I mean, in the case of Manchester United, I mean that's just that there. Obviously, it's a sort of a special case with Arsenal. I guess the Ramsey injury injury was important. Mm. Um, did he get injured against Napoli? Yeah, away away to Napoli in the second leg. So you know, like I mean, I, th- I think he was bad bad time to lose him. Yeah, um, th- you know, the, the I don't know what was happening with Mustafi. Like, like <laughs> you can't explain it. Like you can't. There's no there's no explanation. He just had a, a pretty bad few weeks there. Yeah, I mean, like what can you say about that? Like nobody saw that coming. Like Arsenal were the team that looked most likely to finish third at one point. Yeah. And then just yeah, I mean, this is, if it could be explained, like there's no, there is no explanation. Yeah, yeah, I suppose there. I mean, there well, was. What, what, what do you? What's your theory? My theory is that we fucked up the Crystal Palace game mm. by picking a weak team, and then it was going all right. It was one-one, and then Mustafi did that crazy thing where he just stopped and let Zaha in and then they scored again um, Mm. and that was 3-1 and then in order to make up for that he had to go to Wolves and play a way that I don't think he wanted to play against Wolves but he Mm. needed 
three points and we lost that game and then the Leicester game. So I think it was a, a slight kick on from that. I mean, look, it's been a, a long season, but being where we were with five or six games to play against some of the teams that you on paper would say Arsenal should do better against. I think it was four points from 18, you know, in the yeah. end. Um, uh, and maybe seven points from 21 in the end, you know, with the, the win over Burnley on the final day, which was irrelevant. But, you know, I, I think that was... That was a really disheartening part of the season, actually, because, you know, Emery's been up and down and there have been some really good things about the season, some dodgy things about the season. Defensively, obviously, not great. Yeah. Uh, over the course of the season, the two strikers have become very, very important and we were, we're leaning on them a great deal. But uh, it sort of colors my view of, of what he's done this season as much as I try and step back and look at it objectively when when you talk about expectations at the start of the season that's fine but when you're five or six games from the end and you're in a great position and you fuck it up basically yeah. you know it, it has to have an impact but clearly he can make he can make uh, a real genuine success of, of his first season at Arsenal by, by, winning, the by winning the Europa League it's yeah. uh, you know it's his special to, power his special power that's what it is it was interesting actually the 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 managing director and the the head of football, Raul Sanyehi, um, did an interview on the official website this week, and they the uh, Sanyehi actually spoke about how that was a factor in their recruitment of Emery. The fact that he wins the Europa League. Yeah, he's the Europa League. He says uh, he wins finals, he wins the Europa League. Let's hope he can do it again. And he said that was part of our thinking when yeah when they hired him. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, ideally you want to. That's translate into the Champions League. To be honest, I don't see any reason why it shouldn't. You know, he just he just happens to be managing teams that were mainly in the uh, Europa League. You know, it's not as though it doesn't work in the other the more important European competition. Well, I I, I would like to hear Sanye though talk a bit more about how certain other things have happened at Arsenal since he's been there, which I would have imagined his role was to make sure it didn't happen. Such as well, monumental fuck ups like. Letting Aaron Ramsey leave on a free transfer and signing Mesut Ozil up to a contract which is now almost a Sanchez-level disaster. Uh, that was that was basically before him. The Ozil contract was before him. And oh, I that thought, was, I thought yeah. that was January January twenty. Yeah, he just came in the. He came at the end of January, the end of February. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he was sort of. Everyone knew he was coming, but basically that was a. Uh, Wenger slash Gazidis. I thought Wenger was against it. He was against the level of salary. Hmm. He wasn't necessarily against the extension, but he was definitely against the level of salary. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's a situation that I think they're going to de deal with. Like, do you think they're going to just have to pay him off? I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Because they, they, again, in this interview, they, they talked about the wage bill and how they need to use the wage bill more efficiently. 350000 a week off the wage bill on top of losing checks wages um, Ramsey's wages Welbeck's wages and when they move on you know Mustafi for example and Jenkinson a couple of people like that yeah. you know it's a big big saving off the wage bill I mean it has been since he signed that contract a pretty much a disaster yeah. you know he's he's had these incredible moments you know the, he's invented this choppy goal finish oh yeah which is amazing yeah but he's only made four assists since he since signed that new, since he signed that new contract and you know things haven't always been great behind the scenes and and there's been if we talk about Manchester City having a PR machine Mesut Ozil's got one as well in the last few weeks his agent has been very clear you know he wants to stay he loves the club blah 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 so to me it feels like they're trying to get out ahead of that but mm. you know I, he feels like like uh, a player Arsenal need to move on from now fr from my point of view anyway because he represents something that isn't there anymore and it's not the future yeah I mean there was someone had a screen grab of like you, you would have seen it I'm sure that the uh, was it the last day of the season and like the, it was just a, a screen grab of their phone and you know the Arsenal team news had was like the first alert but then another alert was theirs Mesut Ozil is live on Twitch. <laughs> You're like, but, but that, that to me is like, okay, something, something strange is going on here. Mm. Like he doesn't have, he should have the awareness not to do that. He's just, he's gone past caring about that kind of stuff now. Yeah, I, somebody said that it wasn't him, that it was one of his Fortnite team. But even so, 
you know, just, in the hour just go before. incognito. <laughs> like, come on, this, this is the, you know, you got to try and make some sort of concessions here to trying to give the right put across the right impression yeah I don't care if you're sitting there playing Fortnite because you're not involved in the game like it doesn't actually matter but don't play try not to advertise to the world like the but it, the, the fact that he's not prepared to even sort of do those sorts of things yeah suggests to me like there's something unusual here like it's it's not like the normal I don't know what what is going on with him but it doesn't it doesn't look to me like he's going to really ever recapture this Fire. I mean, Mesut has been, has been a great player. Yeah, you know, he's won a lot of stuff. He's played for. He's played in great teams. Um, he hasn't. Well, he's won a few things with Arsenal as well. To be fair, but you know, I don't know. You can't have a player earning that much money and contributing that little. It's it ruins the it ruins the club because. The good players are like, well, why is he getting paid more than me? I should be paid more than him. I'm obviously doing way more. And all of the players are taking the... Like, this guy is... is if he's, he's basically, because of the money, the top player in the hierarchy of the dressing room. And he's not a good example. And what's this... You, you, can't, you can't work with that. You know no. what I mean? And, and it's clear that, like, Emery has had this weird relationship with him where at first it looked as though he was going to take a real hard line and be like... You know, you're, I'm not having this. You're out. And then he kind of softened and started using him and fiddling around the formation to find a way to play him. And it looks as though maybe this might work. Yeah. He scored that amazing goal was it against Leicester. Yeah, well, he played really well. A great performance against Leicester. I can't remember who the goals were against at this point. Um, but like, you know, that's it's not enough really. Um, no. And and now I think okay, they, they they have to make a decision. But it's going to be really expensive. It's a bit like Bale, you know, at Real Madrid. It's like yeah. want to get rid of him. They're like, okay, we'll pay me then. You know, you're the ones that you're the ones who agree to pay me seventeen or eighteen million euros a year. Give me my money, and you won't have to see mm. me anymore. Yeah, I think they will. I think they will try and move him on. I think they're just going to take a big financial hit, mm. and that will be that. Um, yeah, and then how they redistribute? It's the, it's the best thing to do, I think, at this point because it's just it, it, you have to take into account the effect that that has on all the other players and on the team. And you know, it would just be better to make a clean break, and uh, hopefully. Not make a, another mistake quite as catastrophic as that in the next couple of years. Yeah, well, we'll see who they get to bring in this summer. Um, you know, there's a, a new technical director coming in. Uh, they got rid of their head of recruitment, which is not ideal going into a well, transfer he, window. Did he not leave because his nose was out joint? Sort of, but he was, yeah, the, the story was he was promised the role of technical director mm. um, by Ivan Gazidis. Of course, Ivan Gazidis fucked off to Milan. to Milan as quickly as he could, which uh, to me doesn't really um, augur well uh, for, mm. for what's coming. But hey, um, not that I'm a fan of Ivan Gazidis, I'm quite happy never to have to listen to him ever again. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's not it's not it's not as um, healthy or as efficient behind the scenes as you would like going into a big summer because I think Arsenal really do need a big summer don't they in terms mm. of but squad how gonna, rebuilding how are they going to do it I don't know if they, they, don't, if they don't win that Europa League final yeah, then what, what's the budget what, is somewhere in the region of 40 million pounds so what can, what can you get with that like yeah, you couldn't you couldn't buy you, could you buy Aaron Juan Rosaka for no. 40 million probably not no you know I'm not suggesting he would be the, the uh, you know he's the missing well, you, could, you couldn't get Wilfred Zaha probably oh, for 40 no, million well, no way I mean no way could you get Zaha you know so I mean, this, is, this is nuts like it's actually insane how much how, you know say an example would be Sané you know how much did Sané cost Man City like 30 million or something like that mm. that's only a couple of years ago now they're talking about you know Pep is like oh, I'm not sure I think Sané maybe not you know he may be only 99% of of uh, the player I I hoped he was you know for he, you know, a guy who'd walk into almost every other team in the world, but I'm kind of like not sure about his attitude. And, <laughs> and if Bayern wants to sign him, then okay, you know, I, I can live with that. But he'll cost like a hundred million euros. It's like, how does that make any form of sense? Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a really good player. He's brilliant. One of the best in the world in his position. But like, just to go from 30 to 100, like in that space of time, it's just nonsense. Like this is nonsense. It's PSG who have done this, and with and the city in a previous era. P, well, PSG with the with the Neymar. It's, it's crazy. Like it's just, it, it just everyone's fees have sort of doubled. You know, it's like. Yeah. But hey, who can who can really afford to take risks of that size now? 
you know, you'd want to be like on, on site. Who, who could pay a hundred million for Sane? But apparently, that's they won't let him move for less. So okay, I guess he'll probably still be at Man City yeah, next season. Probably. I mean, that's the weird thing is that a lot of people say Arsenal should buy maybe some young and upcoming talent in the Premier League, but that's expensive. Yeah. Well, the yeah, English, they're English really price. expensive. Well, yeah, particularly if they're English, yeah. you know, because they have this this English premium and this Premier League premium that comes with it. So, it is going to be uh, it's going to be a hell of a summer. Have you got any uh, plans for the summer? Any downtime? You're just taking some time off football. There isn't a great deal going on, is there? There's the Nations League, of course, which I, you know I don't want to downplay the, the importance League, of yeah, that. I must forgotten about the Nations League. Well, I'm glad to have reminded you. Uh, you wouldn't want to miss it. Yeah, who's uh, that? England, Holland. Portugal and Switzerland. No idea. I genuinely have no idea. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I hope England. Uh, the Champions League final, I suppose, is next week. Yes, uh, should be interesting. There's some some alliances there. Uh, Man City plus Man United plus Tottenham against Liverpool and Arsenal. That's what we're. That's what the. That's it. Where, where do Chelsea fit in? Probably on the. No, Chelsea are sitting this one out, aren't they? Chelsea can't figure out who they hate more. Probably they hate Spurs a little bit more. Probably they'd rather Liverpool won because. Yeah, I think I think it so, would be yeah. like, well, they've won it before. Whereas Tottenham, you know, we'll never hear the end of it. Yeah. So Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool versus Man City, Man United, and Tottenham. Mm. That's the uh, <laughs> that's the the old English Champions League. I'm just yeah. I'm, you know, it's sort of a tr- tradition where, you know, I meet my brother who's a Liverpool fan and we go watch the Champions League final with a few of the lads. Yeah. I'm sort of, I don't know if I want to watch it this year oh, because yeah. the potential outcome. There's a big chance. There, yeah, there is a big, big chance. <laughs> there is club. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm banking on the law of averages. This is on Liverpool's side and Jurgen Klopp's side. He has to win a fucking final at <laughs> some can, point. Who he? loses three Champions League finals? <laughs> no. who, who loses three? I, has, I don't know if anyone's done it before. Has anyone lost three? I there don't must know. have maybe some Juventus manager. They've lost as many, many maybe. Finals, more finals than anyone else. But like, this this weird like holiday that they've had before the game, I think, really plays it into Tottenham's hands. Can Liverpool sign Gareth Bale before the game? <laughs> <laughs> He's cup tied, I think. Shit. Um, but like Tottenham, Tottenham were obviously completely falling apart. Like you've never seen a team so exhausted and so close to collapse have just been given this huge this time to recharge and get back to some kind of baseline state whereas Liverpool who were in great rhythm you know winning a bunch of matches in a row had this brilliant win against Barcelona uh, have had loads of time for that to completely dissipate you know for the rhythm to desert them yeah I mean do you you think do you think losing the Premier League will redouble their efforts in in terms of the Champions League or does that even come into it because when you're you're in a Champions League final you just want to win a Champions League final well there's different ways to, to look at it like you know on, on one level, I'm, I'd, I'd say Liverpool probably feel like they deserve to win because look at the season we've put up. Yeah. We deserve it. We deserve it. You know, this kind of this, you know, and some sportsmen have this type of psychology, you know, like the reason why Johnny Wilkinson would go out and like obsessively, you know, kick uh, 1500 balls over the bar. Yeah. And he wouldn't, and you know, if he made a mistake on number seven hundred fifty-three, he'd go back to zero and do it all again. It was because <laughs> when he was when he was standing out there on the field at Twickers, and he, you know, waiting to kick the ball over the bar, he wanted to feel like he deserved for that ball to go over the bar. He wanted to know like he put in the work, suffered, worn his joints, you know, down to down to the bone, and that 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 worked for him. This sense of I deserve it, therefore I'm going to win. But you can also have the other way of of, of like. Jesus, lads, imagine we made a ball to this. <laughs> Jesus, imagine, imagine we, we managed to, oh my oh, God, no. everyone would laugh at us forever. You know, you know, the greatest team that never was, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the hero 97 point team that lost two Champions League finals in a row. Like, it, it's almost unthinkable, but that doesn't mean it's impossible. No. From, from Liverpool's point of view, where it's Tottenham, like, are in, I mean, the, just the run has been so sensational. Uh, the way they've done it, like the, it, it doesn't matter what's happened. They've found a way to come through it. That's like getting. Yeah. They, they should have been knocked out. Like they were dead in the group stage. They were they were gone. Like you know, mm. you, you, you probably could have got ten to one of them getting out of the group, and they did. And then you know they they managed to 
to uh, knock out City, like, amazingly, with, like, missing, you know, half their team. They knock out Ajax, missing Son and Kane. Like, I don't think that they're, they're going, this is a destiny. Like, we have, destiny is on our side. Oh. We marched, we march on towards glory. That's, that's what we're looking at. This is a dark time for you. It really is. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure I have any more words to discuss. This. They haven't won it yet, but, you know, I think there's a real, real good chance that both you and your brother are going to be pretty unhappy <laughs> uh, on the evening of Saturday week. All right. Well, um, I do hope you're wrong. I hope you're wrong. Yeah. Um, but thank you, as ever, uh, for coming in. It's always a great, fun, entertaining chat. Ken, thanks a million. Hello, Audrey. Thanks for having me. holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply.